The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. Divorce wasn't enough to end the animosity between James and Linda Cooney. The bitterness continued until Linda shot James dead with a 357 Magnum. Was it a case of domestic abuse like Linda claimed or something more sinister? I'm Vinny Politan and welcome to the Court TV Podcast. This week we have an audio edition of our original true crime series, Someone They Knew with Tamron Hall, which examines crimes committed by those closest to the victim. This week's episode is entitled, Mommy Dearest. This is the Court TV Podcast. James and Linda had this whirlwind romance. She was interested in material things. James left her and filed for divorce, and that's when we get to this highly contested custody battle. She had asked James about a week before whether his life insurance was paid up. When I arrived, in front of me was the body of Mr. Cooney. outside world, James and Linda Cooney lived the good life in Palm Beach County, Florida. He came from a prominent family and was a successful attorney. She was beautiful, and after a whirlwind courtship, they eloped. But on February 7, 1992, Linda Cooney shot and killed her former husband and father of their two children. Was it a case of domestic abuse, as she claimed, or something even more sinister? Palm Beach County, it is just stunningly gorgeous. Right on the water, the beaches there are amazing, and you have people with a lot, a lot of money. You just have these amazing gazillion dollar mansions and, and people who have accumulated wealth for a very long time. Jim was fun, he was soft-spoken, he never raised his voice to anybody, he never used profanity, he was a bright guy, he was intelligent. Uh, he was just a decent human being. We sure as hell were close. I think Linda worked in an office as a secretary, Jim was an attorney. I believe the two of them met that way. When James and Linda first met, they had kind of a whirlwind romance. They got married very early in their relationship. And from the beginning, there were so many ups and downs. James was the breadwinner, and many people around the relationship believed that that's why Linda was in this relationship. He seemed to be the mild-mannered attorney Nobody had ever had anything bad to say about him. Miss Cooney, on the other hand, she seemed kind of a live wire and was very into the social scene in Palm Beach County. Linda and James got married in 1979. They got divorced in 1988. And in between that time, they had two children. And at first glance, you would think, hey, this is a perfect marriage. You know, this is a storybook kind of, of relationship and family. But it turned tumultuous. There was volatility within the relationship. When James and Linda decided to get married, they both came from completely different backgrounds. But all of us bring the luggage of our earlier lives. So each of them had different values. The contrast in their values became a fundamental flaw. And that's why their marriage seemed to unravel years later. 
You don't want to rain on somebody else's parade. And he was excited initially about the relationship, and I was concerned about it. So he, I, I never felt comfortable with him going too far down the path of criticizing something that he was excited about. Linda proved to be a very unstable partner in their marriage. James had left her and filed for divorce several times, only to come back and reconcile. But eventually, James ended up leaving Linda for good, and that's when the tension went to an all-time high, because it's when we get to this really highly contested custody battle. Jim had finally had enough of the way she was dealing with the children. And four years after the uh, divorce, we filed a modification action seeking to have him have the children and she have visitation. So I got a specific court order for visitation Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock. And I called him and I faxed it to him and said, uh, I'm excited for you. You can see your sons tonight. I was at my desk working, and I got a call from one of the detectives saying that I was needed on a uh, suspected homicide. When I arrived at the scene, it was a, a nice house, not as glamorous as what I expected it to be inside the house, and things were in kind of a disarray. It was James's turn to come and pick up Chris and Kevin for the weekend. Normally, he would wait in the car and the boys would come out, but something odd happened. Police believe that James got out of the car, went into the house, and that's when he was shot three times by Linda from a 357 Magnum. When the initial officers arrived on scene, the boys were in the back bedroom, and Miss Cooney was in the hallway by her bedroom. I walked in the front door, and in front of me and a little to the right was the body of Mr. Cooney. He was laying against the doorway into the hall that led down to the bedrooms. He was face up. They both had parental custody rights, so James had his visitation. He has the legal right to be there. That's when there was some sort of confrontation turned into to something much more violent than normal sort of run-of-the-mill kind of conversations, and she ends up shooting him dead with 357 Magnum. One of the strangest things of the whole shooting was that you would think the first thing you do is you call 911. She doesn't call 911. Linda calls her lawyer first. The person that actually calls 911 is Kevin, the, the child witness who should be terrified and possibly just frozen in fear, but instead he has the wherewithal to actually call 911. James's friends and family were devastated. James was, by all accounts, adored by his loved ones. There was the court order that said it was when his contact was to be, and we've been to court several occasions to get that very court order in hindsight. We probably wouldn't have done it, but at the time, and I think we're going forward, if there was a similar occasion, I'd give the same advice. Never would I have expected that he'd wind up dead. The pattern of blood on the door led me to believe that he had been shot while he was on the ground. In the days after the death of James Cooney, police investigators questioned Linda's version of what happened. 
As detectives look into the Cooney marriage and what may have led to the shooting, Linda tells police that she was simply defending herself from her former husband, who she says was attacking her with a knife. James Cooney was a 42-year-old tax attorney from one of the founding families of the town of Palm Beach. Linda Cooney is 44. She and her ex were battling for custody of their two small sons. The night of the killing, police recovered a 357 Magnum from the scene and found James Cooney shot dead, clutching a knife. The apparent domestic dispute prompted a two-month investigation. The first thing we did was to take a look at Mr. Cooney's body and try and establish the direction of the gunshots, where they came from, how many there were. We determined that she had advanced from her bedroom door area to the middle of the hallway and then to the head. Well, the first gunshot wound was consistent with his arm being raised. So it passes downward to the body. Then the gunfire changes, it starts going upward. Because after collecting the first shot, Mr. Cooney is now straightening up. And now the angle of gunfire, even if it's horizontal, it looks like it's upward to the body. Collects another shot here, causes a concussion to the thoracic spinal cord, which would basically put you weak at the knees at least. Spins and turns, and down he goes. The other one goes to the brain, obviously incapacitating. A 357 Magnum is a very powerful weapon. And Linda fired at James in pretty close proximity. The three bullet wounds that James took were absolutely devastated, destroyed his body. He, he wasn't going to survive that. There was a glass door in between the bedroom area and the living room. One of the projectiles had shattered the glass. We had found glass shards on the front of his sweater and on the back, indicating to us, the detectives on the scene, that the body had been rolled over. Immediately, it was suspicious. The pattern of blood on the door led me to believe that he had been shot while he was on the ground and that some of the blood bounced up on the door. Detectives were skeptical from the get-go, knowing the character of James and Linda. There was a history of her acting out in violence, being manipulative. They were worried that this is something that she could have premeditated. Linda claimed that James came into the house with a knife in his hand and was going to attack her because he was so angry at her about this divorce and custody battle, and that she fired back at him in self-defense. From what the first officers on the scene had said, the knife was found in or close to his hand. And that seemed odd because if he was shot in the spine and lost all motion, the knife would not have stayed in his hand, but would have been several feet from the body. I attempted to get the measurements of Ms. Cooney's hand in relationship to the ground. Her attorney fought against me taking any measurements. As soon as the investigation began, she lawyered up as she would be expected to do. Linda believed that she had thought this out and that she had a plan in place to show self-defense so that she would not be implicated in this murder. Jim was a kind, gentle person who didn't have a mean streak in his body. I certainly never observed violence. To think that he would pick up a kitchen knife 
and try and stab his wife it was just out of the question. That's not Jim Cooney. No matter what provocation there was, and to this day, I don't know what enticement she had to lure him into the house, because I had told him to stay out of the house. The investigation told us that he was waiting in the car when he heard a gunshot. The theory was that the gunshot came from the bedroom area, and it was made to draw him into the house. We found a ricochet mark on the floor where it appeared that she had been sitting on the bed with the gun, and the gun went off. I think she took the opportunity to set him up and established that he was there. She had called several times with James to confirm the time of his arrival to pick up the boys, which is something that she had never done before. We found the knife had come from a set of knives in the kitchen, and that didn't make much sense either. If Mr. Cooney was rushing into the house to see what the gunshot was, he wouldn't have stopped in the kitchen first to pick up a knife out of the knife holder and go into the bedroom. He would have come directly into the bedroom area. It was my theory that the knife had been placed into his hand after he had been shot. They didn't arrest her right away. In any of these kinds of cases in which self-defense is an issue, the police really have to sort of like dot their I's and cross their T's. People were upset especially with a community of people that Jim knew. I was concerned about her behavior sufficiently that I called the police department to ask them to look out for us in case she did something else crazy. There was concern that she would disrupt Jim's funeral to the extent that family members hired security so that she wouldn't come in. James's friends and family weren't completely shocked. They had all the stories from relatives and loved ones showing that Linda reportedly threatened to kill him in the past. In fact, his last day in living with her, she pulled a nine millimeter on him and told him to dance, threatening him with a weapon just for her entertainment. Linda was despicable. If she got mad at Jim, she'd acted out. If I remember correctly, his dad got him a briefcase when he was first sworn in as a lawyer. She got upset with him, they had an argument. She took the briefcase, put it on the driveway, and ran the car over the briefcase to destroy it. On another occasion, she got mad at him, took an ice pick to all four tires on his car. Oftentimes, when a relationship or marriage ends, that can be very, very difficult for a person to accept, particularly the one whose lifestyle was propped up by the more established partner. Linda had been recording phone conversations between herself and James to try to get him to say things that would reference him being violent toward her. She was trying to show that, yes, he has been threatening me, and that's why I was so prepared when he walked in the door with a knife to defend myself with a gun. She was particular about recording her phone calls. She had a box of audio tapes where she kept tape recordings of her phone conversations. And in one of those, the detectives played back, and they found that she had asked James about a week before he had come to pick up the kids whether his life insurance was paid up. Things really started taking shape then. Jim had the policy of naming the children as beneficiaries, and she said under her breath, at least if you were dead, I'd have a million dollars life insurance. 
Police investigating the shooting death of James Cooney at the hands of his wife learned the divorced couple had a discussion a week before about his life insurance policy, a conversation that Linda Cooney recorded. They discovered the subject of life insurance had come up other times in recent months. Was that a motive? Linda wondered whether Jim had life insurance, and he did have a policy for a million dollars, naming the children as beneficiaries. And there was one meeting where there was a discussion about what was going to go on with a particular house that she was living in, and whether the mortgage was up to date paid on it, or what the circumstances were. And she said under her breath, uh, you know, at least if you were dead, I'd have a million dollars life insurance. James was going to file for James and Linda to have mental health examinations as part of this custody dispute. Linda knew that this would not reflect well on her. She knew that James was the more stable financially, emotionally, and mentally in, in their relationship. And if she lost the boys, then that meant that she lost to James. That meant that she lost the child support. So she had a lot to lose. When you're faced with a psychiatric evaluation for custody. If you're vulnerable and you're a fragile personality, you may respond in a way that's even more horrible for your children because you've lost control. Instead of building on love, they build on paranoia and anxiety and fear. And the unknown can be overwhelming for someone who doesn't have the financial resources to take care of themselves. One of the most fascinating things about this case was the fact that James had a knife in his hand. And so, of course, you would think on the surface would make it pretty cut and dry, right? Well, he has a knife in his hand, the wife shoots him dead, no charges. But the investigation starts to unravel. There was gunshot residue on the inside of James's palm, but there was no gunshot residue on the knife itself which heavily suggests that James likely had his hands up and open in a defensive position when he was shot. The firearms examiner and I did some tests to try and establish about how far away the gun was when she was shot. And we determined that it was a, no more than two foot from Mr. Cooney's head. A final shot like that after a person's already down in my experience, has told me that they want it to be final. It's the last draw. Ultimately, police thought they had enough evidence to take Linda to trial, so she was indicted by a grand jury, and she was set to go to trial. Linda Cooney walks into court for her first appearance on a charge of first-degree murder. She turned herself in last night after grand jurors indicted her earlier in the day. The apparent domestic dispute prompted a two-month investigation before the grand jury could act. When my grand jury testimony was concluded, Kevin was walking in with his stuffed animal to be put through the ordeal of talking to strangers about his dad and his dad's death and what transpired. Kevin at the time, he claimed that he saw what happened, but the interesting thing was that there was conflicting versions of what he said. In the beginning, he said there was nothing in the dad's hand, but then later on, sort of hints that there was. Mr. Ray, do you have any comments on the indictment against you? When she was arrested 
Finally, after the grand jury, we all got together and all the family members were there and we were just talking with some relief that she would charge, she was arrested, she was in jail. The grand jury of uh, Palm Beach County has indicted her for first degree murder. And I believe that she should remain incarcerated until the determination of those charges. With Linda Cooney in jail and her ex-husband dead, there's no official word on what happens now to their two children for whose custody they were battling. Her attorney got her out on bail, and then she started formulating her defense. Linda was going to claim that Kevin was there to witness the shooting. He saw the whole thing and that he was going to back up her story of self-defense. The shooting around which this case revolves was an act of self-defense. Ms. Cooney will enter a plea of not guilty at the appropriate time. I heard through the grapevine that she was claiming that he was an abuser and that she was going to be using that as an alibi for taking his life. It's a whodunit. I remember it was kind of a circus. There were cameras, reporters. Uh, there were a lot of people interested in the outcome of the case. One year after James Cooney was shot to death, Linda Cooney is in a Palm Beach County court facing a first-degree murder charge. Prosecutors allege that Linda set up James to collect his life insurance and retain custody of their children. But Linda claims she shot her former husband in self-defense and plans to vigorously fight the charge. Okay, as a state ready to call a jury in for opening statements. Is the defense ready to call a jury in for opening statements? Yes, Your Honor. Please give the lawyers on both sides your careful, undivided attention. You may make your opening statement, sir. On February the 7th, 1992, Jim Cooney went to pick up his two young sons for visitation. He was shot and killed by that defendant. But evidence and the testimony in this case wanted to show what I will ask you to do at the end of this case is to return a verdict that speaks the truth. That that defendant's guilty. Thank you, James. Thank you, Mr. Moreno. Mr. Lubin, you may make your opening statement. So remember, this is 1992. So this is before social media. This is before Facebook. This is when tabloids reign supreme. This is when you know you're getting into the like the dawn of the cable TV news coverage. This is when you could have a singular case really capture the attention of the public. And this was like a super juicy, dramatic story. It's a whodunit. I remember it was kind of a circus. There were cameras, reporters. There were a lot of people interested in the outcome of the case. The prosecution in this case has accused Linda Cooney of a cold, calculated, first-degree murder. This case, though, is about how gross negligence and an incomplete investigation has led to a false accusation of first-degree murder by the prosecution against Linda Cooney. And I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, their evidence will fall far short 
of proving that Linda Cooney is guilty. The jury was able to hear this 911 call from Kevin calling and being completely vulnerable and completely scared. This 911 call did not say, my mother shot my father because he was hurting her. It was, please save my dad. As crime scene people, we're to present the facts in the case and let the jury make the decision. But all the facts in the case indicated that she had premeditatedly killed him. Walked inside the front entrance. I became aware of the fact that I uh, saw a body lying on the ground, that there were other individuals at the end of the hallway. So the first thing that I did uh, was remove a potential threat from the body lying in the hallway. What was this potential threat? Uh, the threat that I saw was a large kitchen-type knife. The knife was lying on the torso of the body as if it were held in the right hand, which was also lying across the torso of the body. And what was that other threat? The other threat was a handgun at the far end of the hallway with a lady on her hands and knees over the handgun. First thing that I did was uh, draw my duty weapon and uh, at gunpoint ordered the lady away from the weapon. Well, the first question that came up was, gunpowder residue. Now, if you looked on the left hand of Mr. Cooney, he had some particles that to me looked like disc gunpowder. Other examinations were performed looking for residues present elsewhere on the body. On the left hand, on both sides of the hands, were residues that I thought were suspicious for gunpowder particles. These residues were removed and submitted um, through the police to the crime laboratory for further study. But if one hand is holding a weapon and one hand is not holding a weapon, you expect to see gunpowder tagging the palmar surface of this hand, but being protected from palmar surface of this hand by the presence of the weapon, if it was creating a shadow effect. What effect would gunshot wounds see have on an individual who was in an upright position? Because gunshot wound C went through the brain. He would pass out immediately. He would lose proper control and function of his arms and his legs. An individual with an object in their hand at the time of receiving gunshot wound C, you have an opinion as to what would happen to that object in their hand? More likely than not, they would drop the object. You talked a little bit about whether or not somebody who might be holding something in a hand when they received these wounds, would still have it in his hand after he hit the floor, right? Yes. And the bottom line is, we just can't tell in this case, correct? That's correct. There was no other evidence of him trying to attack anyone. The angles of the shots did not suggest that he was in an attack position when he was approaching Linda. So the medical examiner's point of view showed that this had to be a homicide and there was no element of self-defense. Did an individual uh, known to you as Linda Cooney come to see you at the police department? Yes, she did. I said hello to Miss Cooney. She started to say repeatedly to me, Jim Cooney will never take the children. I'll never let Jim Cooney take the children. When you asked her what she wanted you to do, what did she say? She then pointed to me and said, I just want you to know, mark my words, in the next few days, Jim Cooney will try to kill me. 
But you never told anyone that she had made that statement twice to you. You mark my words, he's going to try to kill me. You only said that she had made it once, correct? I told exactly what happened. I asked you a specific question. I want a specific answer. Did you ever tell anyone else that she had said that twice to you? I cannot recall. No further questions. Sir, you may step down. Thank, Thank you. you. Linda consistently referred to that life insurance policy. If she had custody of the boys, she would ultimately have control of those funds. I think it shows that it's a woman that has severe issues, whether that's mentally, emotionally, or both, and she's dangerous. Come on up, ma'am, and if you would, uh, face the clerk, raise your right hand, and take the oath. One of the most important things that happened in the week leading up to the shooting is a meeting with Linda, James, both of their attorneys, and the owner of the home that they lived in that they were leasing. This conversation really focused on a life insurance policy that James had that was a million dollar policy, and Linda was very curious about how that would be divvied out if he were to die. Would you tell the members of the jury what the defendant said to Jim Cooney? Well, there were many, many um, barbs go, uh, from Linda. Linda appeared very upset. And one of the comments that I overheard her make was that uh, she asked Jim if he had any life insurance, if his life insurance was still in effect. And he said yes. And he, she said, well, you know, Jim, if you were dead, the kids and I would have this money and we wouldn't have this kind of problem. Jim Cooney just said, well, Linda, if you were dead, I could grind you up and use you for fertilizer on the front lawn, something to that effect. Uh, it may not be the exact words. Uh, good morning, sir. Good morning, Judge. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Being an attorney, I guess you can presume that I've had some talks with the lawyers about some ground rules that I have to apply here. The judge, Carl Harper, was a good old Southern boy, and he looked at me when I got on the witness stand and said, Mr. Springer, I'm going to ask you to not volunteer information and just answer the question as narrowly as you can without adding information. Do you recall the defendant saying anything to Jim in life insurance? The gist of what Mrs. Cooney said toward the end of that meeting was, if you were dead, at least the life insurance would pay off the mortgage. I'm a lawyer. I use words. I tell stories. What are the facts? What should have been presented? What could have been presented? And it, it just didn't happen from my testimony. I wanted to talk about her violence, her mean-spiritedness, the things she did to isolate Jim from his family and the community. Obviously, Mr. Springer, that you're not only an attorney, but you were a friend of Jim Cooney. He was my lifelong friend. He was my best friend. Regarding the meeting that occurred on February 4th, 1992, was there a, a disagreement between the defendant and the deceased with regard to the visitation with the children? Yes, absolutely. And what uh, what was that concerning? Your Honor, Me I'd like to approach the bench on whether or not it's going to require hearsay. The prosecutor was starting to ask me questions that I thought might lead to that, and up pops defense counsel, and I'm excused, and I'm out of the courtroom, and I never got to say another word. I can't tell you how frustrating it was. It was like I had a cork stuffed in my mouth. The prosecution, they had uh, medical examiner evidence. They had the life insurance conversations showing that Linda was prone to violence and she was unstable. 
What the prosecution did not have was a little boy to put on the stand and plead his mother's case. I came over to the door and opened it just so much as I could kind of fit my face out. The state has presented a convincing story that Linda Cooney murdered her former husband, James Cooney. But a skilled defense team and a by-the-book judge seemed to block testimony that would be detrimental to the defendant. And that took the trial in another direction. My first name is Kevin, and my, my middle name is James. My last name is Cooney, C-O-O-N-E-Y. Kevin gave testimony that was obviously very well coached from Linda's defense team, and he owned the room. Kevin's testimony really brought the jury in. You at home the, the early evening when your father was killed? Yes. What is it that you heard? I heard a loud noise that sounded like something fell. I yelled out, Mom, are you okay? After you heard that loud noise, did you hear your dad say something? I couldn't make out what it really was, but it sounded something like, what is this? The idea of a young boy testifying on his mother's behalf pretty much against his father. It's a pretty dramatic thing. Kids are not generally considered um, super reliable witnesses, so they can be coached, and it really could sway a jury. And in this case, I do think that Kevin's testimony really did sway the jury. How long were you in your bedroom until you heard a noise? I don't know. And how were you looking from your bedroom. I came over to the door and opened it just so much as I could kind of fit my face out. And is that when you saw your dad in the hallway? Yes. When you saw your mom in the hallway, what did you see in her head? I couldn't figure out what it was at first, but when she came in, I saw that it was a gun. Did you see or hear some gunfire? Yes. Do you remember how many gunshots you heard or saw? I'm not sure how many there were, but the first one I heard was close by. So loud that my ears were kind of ringing and the flash of white kind of made everything go red. When you saw your your dad at that point, what did you look at? I saw something in his hand. If you imagine Kevin witnessing his mother killing his father, there would be a whole tsunami of feelings. On the one hand, he's horrified at watching his father disappear. But at the other, wouldn't you get a message that the only person that's left to take care of you could do the same thing to you? And wouldn't you be afraid that if you said something, you could be next? And you were peeking out the bedroom door, correct? Yes. And you said you saw something in your dad's right hand? Yes. Was it 
dark or shiny? It had a glary shine. Did you really tell what it was? No. He was back in the back bedroom. There was a doorknob missing on the door. If you look down the hallway, I couldn't see where he claimed Mr. Cooney was standing, which led me to believe that he didn't really see his dad coming down the hallway with the knife. I believe his mother coached him to testify that his dad had a knife in his hand and was going to attack his mother. What did you do? I called 911. When you went to the phone to call 911, did you hear your mom say anything? All, all I could hear was her screaming out, right outside. And when you, when you looked down the hallway and you saw your dad laying on the floor, did you see his right hand? I, I don't remember. The hand that you saw while your dad was laying on the floor, did it have anything in it at that time? I don't know. Jim Cooney died on February the 7th, 1992, as a result of gunshot wound from this gun. Shows that that defendant is guilty of murder, especially when you review the testimony and utilize your common sense. Linda shouldn't be here. She shouldn't be here. And if the police in this case had done their job, this case is a perfect example of why we have a presumption of innocence in this country. And I ask you to, to consider this evidence and to stick to your guns when you go in that jury room, and it will be your enforcement of the law and your enforcement of the rules that will send her back to her children. As the jury arrived at a unanimous verdict in this case, yes, would you please give the verdict form and the jury instructions to the bailiff? One year after Linda Cooney shot and killed ex-husband James Cooney, her trial for first-degree murder came to a close. Her defense has presented a formidable case highlighted by testimony from their 11-year-old son. Kevin said his father was armed when he was shot. Linda's fate is now in the hands of the jury. Calling the jurors, please. Has the jury arrived at a unanimous verdict in this case? Yes, sir. Please give the verdict form and the jury instructions to the bailiff. Oh, I had 100% confidence she was going to get convicted based on everything that had transpired. State of Florida plaintiff versus Linda Cooney defendant. Verdict, we the jury find as follows. As to the defendant in this case, the defendant is not guilty. Tragic, uh, devastating. I'm a lawyer and I could use a thesaurus to come up with a, a sufficient collection of adjectives to talk about it. Devastating, horrified, mystified that she could get off, outraged. We were all stunned. The prosecutor at the end of the case explained to us that the defense was effective in presenting, they called it a burning bed defense. 
and that uh, the jury found that she was actually a, a battered woman or had been domestically abused. What's your feeling right now, Mrs. Cooney? I want to be with my boys. I'm happy. What are you going to say to your boys? I love them. The fact that the jury decided to believe the little boy could have been a mixed message. They'd want to believe it because otherwise the child would be basically orphaned. I would imagine if I were a jury, I'd be conflicted. Do you think they were haunted at some level by whether or not he was pressured? Everybody on the prosecution side, everybody in James's family was floored. It seemed like all the actual evidence pointed toward Linda, but the testimony of Kevin really seemed to turn the tide. The jury heard the evidence and returned a verdict that they thought was appropriate. You know, other than that, I can't say anything else. I've covered so many cases involving strange and bizarre twists of fate. And when I saw that Linda had been arrested for shooting her own son, the very son that saved her skin years before paralyzed him with the exact same gun that she used to kill his father. I mean, you can't make that up. There was a issue between her and her son and the son's girlfriend, and she didn't like the girlfriend. And she had taken that same gun that she had used to shoot her husband with and shot her son. I couldn't believe that she got the gun back in the first place. Initially, he tells people, yeah, she shot me, but as the gravity of testifying against your own mom and putting her in prison kind of weighs on him, suddenly he changes his story. Linda ultimately is charged with shooting her son. But once again, he comes to the rescue. He takes the stand and says, this was my fault. We wrestled over the gun and I accidentally shot myself. That puts the prosecution in this unique circumstance of telling the jury he's not credible, don't believe him. But, you know, they did a good job and they got this conviction for attempted murder, and she gets sentenced to, I think, between 13 and 41 years. Please have mercy on me, Your Honor. That was Linda Cooney in July of 2014. She was just convicted of trying to kill her son. However, her sentence was overturned. A judge ruled that information from her previous trial in which she was acquitted of the murder of James could not be brought up in this new attempted murder trial for Kevin. Linda was resentenced to parole. It's too much to absorb. You couldn't make this stuff up. Couldn't possibly. I believe that she had manipulated Kevin and controlled both of her children. You have an extraordinary circumstance where someone is accused of murdering their husband and claims self-defense and bizarrely gets the weapon from the police department after the murder and keeps it as a family heirloom. And years later, uses that same weapon to hurt their son and ultimately paralyze him. You wonder if the label fit or she decided to fit the label to be the mommy dearest that she turned out to be. It's very Shakespearean. If this was a movie, I would say this is too unrealistic and I would turn it off. But this story really happened. Linda Cooney 
killed James and shot her son, Kevin, and was not held accountable for either crime. Linda Cooney was released on parole in June of 2022. She lives in Las Vegas, where Kevin and her other son, Christopher, a police officer, both reside. I'm Tamron Hall. Thanks for watching Someone They Knew. There you have it, another episode of the Court TV true crime series, Someone They Knew with Tamron Hall. You can see all new episodes Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern on Court TV. And to keep up with the biggest current true crime stories, tune into my show, Closing Arguments with Vinnie Politan, weeknights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Thank you so much for downloading. And as always, please don't forget to hug the kids. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.